0: Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 7 of the show, and today we'll be making a start on our profile series, examining every appearance of key biohazard characters. Today we focus on Star's Bravo team medic Rebecca Chambers. My name is Siniac, you can just call me Psy, si, and joining me on the panel this week. To most he's Fire Button Steve, to some he's Facebook Steve, and to a select few, he's known as simply Hacker Man. It's Steve Valance. Oh, God, the memes. Hello, everybody. (laughs) And making his debut as a core part of the podcast, First Aid Spray's first ever guest panellist. He is to Rebecca Chambers as the green herb is to the red herb. It's James, a.k.a. Moist Owlet. Hello, everyone. This episode of the podcast is being recorded live in the First Aid Spray Discord server, which you can join now to hear unedited podcasts and contribute to the conversation in the text chat, as well as talk to us and other Resident Evil fans about the series. It's also a good place to put yourself forward for the file readings to appear in the show and to ask questions for our bite-sized discussion segment. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast and on our social media accounts. Before we get into the first segment of this podcast, I just wanted to extend a proper welcome to Mr. Moist Owlet, who was on episode one doing a file reading, and we've mentioned him many times over the course of the show thus far, uh, and on Discord and our social medias and stuff, because he and Steve, as we've said before, have been let's playing a lot of Resident Evil over the last six months. Do you guys want to go into that a little bit more?
1: yeah um basically it boils down to i think it was like it september last year james it feels like a good while ago right yeah, yeah. and um we were james is like i really want to do some youtube stuff and i'm like well the remake of Resident evil 2 is coming and you don't know much about the franchise would you like to go through with me this is a, this is a cliff notes version how long is it and i went very long and there we go and I think it was a case of we did the first we did a director's cut first to see how it would go and we had a lot of fun doing it and from there we carried on isn't that that's pretty much how it went right James
2: Yeah it's it's been a, it's been a ride because I've never touched the Resident Evil series before before September And, uh, well, that's a lie. I touched Resident Evil 3. I played it for an hour, and then it scared me when I was only 13 years old, and I put it down. So that's (laughs) the the only experience I have uh, with, oh, yeah, and Resident Evil 4 on the Wii, which is far superior, Steve. (laughs) I'm
1: sure
0: sure it is.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so if you watch our Let's Play series, you'll understand quite a lot of things like that. That I just said, I had mentioned it quite a lot during our Resident Evil Four playthrough. I say the goal is to go through at least all the main
1: series. But for those who, I mean, if if you're more of a classic orientated Resident Evil fan, right now we're at like we've done the original games, and I think we've just stopped. Uh, And the timeline-wise, our last one would be Code Veronica. Although you know we've done one, two, three, um, Resident Evil Four. No, four would be. Four would be. There, there, yes, there was, one, two, three, Code Veronica, four. And then we did the remakes and zero. So we still got five, six, and seven to go. Indeed. Uh, uh, still debating on how we're going to approach five. It's probably going to be co op of some description. So if you like your YouTube silliness, and I, I will put it out there, there is a content warning, there will be a lot of swearing. <laughs>
0: um,
1: we are very unfiltered, very profane. And if you're not into that kind of thing, you know, I'm not going to be mad if you stay away.
2: There's, yeah, there's dark humor there, there's light humor there. There's all kinds of humor, really, and it gets a little bit silly. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for professional gameplay, um, you pro- probably do not want to watch us. But Steve <laughs> is very good, though. Steve <laughs> no, is very no, good no, no, at the no, original no. games, right? I don't get what you say you are, right? No, um, okay. He's very good at the original games, okay? Um, so if you want to watch someone who's played them tens, hundreds of times right, Um, someone's very good at them, knows all the placements, which gives us time to actually just talk about nonsense, Um, then, yeah, give us a watch. Still can't beat size speedrun record,
0: though. (laughs) Keep working on it, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, speaking as a fan, it's been a really cool series to watch, sort of a combination of someone who, like James just said, knows the games really well, and someone who has very little experience with them, because you get... Really different uh, perspectives on stuff, and I mean it must have been a, a whirlwind of a six months for you, James. Like having zero experience, and now having been witness to and played some of these games, and now you're on a podcast about it. <laughs> it,
2: it is pretty insane. Like I, I, it's all, it's always a bit strange for me because I love horror games, like. But I think when they came out, I was just a little bit too young. Um, and I was a little bit too scared of them to actually dive in. So then I just forgot about them. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, when I got in touch with Steve about it, uh, yeah, that was when I was like, no, no, I really want to get into them. I really want to know what the story is. Because I, say, I did give
1: you the warning. This is going to be a long, like deep, there's lots of stuff going on kind of thing as well.
2: You, you did. You did. And I am a, I'm a super lore buff. I love knowing law and it to make sense and i know there are some continuity problems with the with the games um i i still feel like they they tie together well enough to keep me interested and that's why i keep doing them and that's yeah that's why i keep wanting one want, wanting to keep doing them with steve so you're in a very privileged position
1: because you get to experience all these i mean like we already talked about this on the on the series but basically for the podcast listeners James obviously didn't come to remake first. He went to remake two first, and getting that whole point of point of view across of someone who has seen the second game's remake and then comes back to see the first one and stuff like that—it's very interesting to hear. You know, not not to float our own boats or anything, but
0: you might you might like it. <laughs> Indeed. So obviously, uh, you're a big fan of Rebecca, which is why I wanted to bring you in for this show um, profile as a series, and we'll get onto it in a bit. Is one of those things that we've had since the beginning it was like an idea this would be a great um format for different episodes and rebecca was just a good pick because um she has various different appearances over the years you know she's not limited to one or two but she's also not got a crazy amount of stuff that we'd hunt down for some of the more major characters so it was really yeah just a coming together all these great things that rebecca would be a good place to start and that uh, one of the earliest sort of goings-on in the Let's Play series was James's, you know, just, you know, falling for Rebecca. Oh, <laughs> Hashtag waifu and all yeah.
2: that. I, re- I really did, and I don't know why, because she's not really my type. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it was because of a preface that Steve said at the beginning of Resident Evil, I think Steve. I don't think you remember saying it, Steve, but you said something about her having a tragic kind of past. But it wasn't tragic in the normal sense of losing parents or losing. No, I just said she's like just,
1: she's on a rough day before, which is yeah. Uh, was I there, think right?
2: somebody, somebody <laughs> else said that as well, and I was like, I'm really interested in that. I do love a tragic past, and so and then I, I seen what she was like in Resident Evil, the young the director's cut, and I really. Really liked her because you could tell even the even with the voice acting back then, um, even with the limited animations in the game, you can tell she's trying to deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. She's trying mm. to deal with a lot of things. But yeah, we'll get onto that in a bit.
0: Yeah, I think I, I just put the cart before the horse there. So before we go any further, let's get into our first segment, which is of course the news.
1: Okay, so our one bit of news this week is that in a series of tweets, Leaker Dus Golem reports that the Resident Evil 3 remake is being developed externally. He also says that the series will be having annual releases for the foreseeable future, with Resident Evil 8 arriving next gen.
0: So, I mean, I think we said before on the show that We don't want to report on every rumour, but because we're light on news, we should probably go into this. And I think people, I mean, this has been a big thing that people are talking about, so we should at least address it. And we have reported on what Dusko has said previously, because he seems to have reliable sources. But of course, take this as, you know, somebody's heard this may or may not be true, might be nonsense, might be false information put out there to weed out this source, which does happen now and then. But Hmm. um, Dusk Golem put out uh, a very long thread of tweets uh, the night before uh, Resident Evil's 23rd anniversary talking about cut content from Resident Evil 6, 7 and Remake 2. And at the end, um, he teased some stuff about the future. So I'll just read a little bit of that verbatim. He says... The series will be kind of unofficially almost annual for the next few years, though of course as game development goes anything could be delayed. For example RE8 got a bit delayed and I can say to you now that you shouldn't expect it until next gen is on the table. What is on the table is Remake 3, but Remake 3 is not what a lot of people are probably going to expect. It's not being made by the same team that made Remake 2. In fact, it's not even being internally developed by Capcom Division 1 at all. Who is developing it is very interesting, but for another day. It'll be coming about a lot sooner than people are probably expecting uh, and then he goes on to close out his thoughts there so remake 3 he says is coming soon and it's not being developed internally uh, any opinions on this
1: see i uh,
0: hearing the words
1: external developer it could go one of two ways when it comes to capcom you either get something like dead rising 2 mm. or you get something like dead rising 4 <laughs> you know and i know you know watching sire reviews it that you kind of enjoyed dead rising 4
0: it's, sure, it's, it's kind of. But I, pr- I'll tell you what I prefer Dead Rising two. So I see your yeah. point. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then there's obviously. I mean, personally, I'm not against it, but the whole Devil May Cry DMC thing and how that was made by Ninja Theory and people were very polarised by a show we say rewritten Dante and things. Mm. So uh-huh. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr Moistylet's unfortunately been dealing with a lot of that on his uh, YouTube. But yeah, uh, I think that if if it's the right developer and they clearly have a passion for it, great. But I don't, I don't know yet. I, I would need more information. I mean, it would be a, it would be definitely more of a reassurance if it was the Resident Evil Two remake team. But if they're working on RE Eight, then I would argue RE Eight is more important than a Three remake. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think it's one of those things where they have the engine, they kind of have the blueprint now. Uh, it's yeah, I can see why they would kind of pass that on to someone else. Why they focus on another project if like this says, we're going to be getting a game around about every year, which is going to be interesting. But Mm. also, at the same token, we've had this experience before with games in the series being made by external developers. Uh, Operation Rackham City. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's the worry, isn't it?
1: (laughs) But, but, all right, okay. Rackham City had a, a great idea. And it had a, uh, you know, the, the ARG stuff, which I, I would like to get a, like a full file of the Inserted Evil stuff. But uh, and you know, the FMV was, I look like, you know, *The Spirits Within* if it was a *Resident Evil* movie, and yet enjoyable. And then the game was complete <laughs> enough to
0: Tosh. Mm. You know. that's that's where it comes down, isn't it? It's the, what are they going to do with the gameplay? I don't, yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Dejected size all around. <laughs>
1: No, nah, it, it's it's too too early to call it. I think personally,
0: uh, James, do you have any opinions on this one?
2: Um, I I mean I I don't know enough about the developers um to really know. I as I just did um, with Steve there because of uh, I feel like it can go two ways, can't it? Like before mm. developers that try to touch a game because it can go the right way, like Alien Isolation did. Uh, with creative assembly or it can go the wrong way like it did with dmc devil may cry <laughs> and you know i i personally like dmc devil may cry but i know a lot of people didn't so it's yeah it's it's a tough one it's a gamble i feel i feel sorry for developers because it's a gamble uh if- oh man you can you imagine if resident evil 3 is being made by creative assembly
1: that would be amazing
0: oh, oh yeah, I, yeah it out, I mean, it's the universe now <laughs> yeah
1: you're right, Sorry, though. Just, just, just putting that thought there, like, oh. Yeah,
0: the it's the so. gamble is a thing, because if it does go badly, then those developers are going to get essentially crucified. <laughs> which just sucks.
1: Just bring out it Ninja really Theory does. again and go, it's these guys. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's not going to go down well. Uh, yeah.
2: But, I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't destroyed Ninja Theory. You know, they they still came back. They gave us Senua's Sacrifice, right? Yeah. I think and that, that was an amazing game um uh so yeah it 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 doesn't destroy um a a developer but i do feel for them because in this day and age it is risky i would be excited for an re3 but like steve just said there's not a lot of information to go on um other than that it's happening or maybe happening yeah so it's uh
0: Watch this space, I suppose. Yeah, wait until
1: we... I mean, we'll talk about the bucket of sand and the live-action film stuff again at some point, too, I would imagine. So we'll, be keeping up, we'll keep you updated.
0: Yeah, definitely. Right, okay. Well, that's the entirety of the news for this week. Uh, let's move on to the first edition of Profile. And now, reading an excerpt from Rebecca's diary from the Brady Games Guide to Resident Evil Zero... Sammy Bold, who you can follow on Twitter at Sammy underscore Bold. July 23rd,
3: 1998, 10.25pm. I am so excited. It's my first mission as field medic on the Stars Bravo team. I certainly hope my comrades can benefit from my assistance. But our mission is disturbing. Murderers roam the forests? Perhaps we can finally answer that question and solve this case for the benefit of the community. Still, I wonder if it was a good idea for Captain Marini to split us up after we discovered that wrecked MP vehicle and those dead soldiers. If there really is an escaped military convict in these woods, we might be unable to assist him individually. Wait, what is that object beyond the trees? Is that a train? Why is it parked out here in the middle of the woods? If we are to get to the bottom of this case, I have to be brave and investigate.
0: So, our main topic on this particular show, as stated numerous times, is Rebecca Chambers. We're gonna go through her entire history in the Biohazard series canonically, starting with some background history. Uh, Resident Evil Wikia will start us off, and they said, Rebecca graduated college at the young age of 18. Her expertise in chemistry and medicine earned her a position in the Special Tactics and Rescue Service. She was assigned as Rear Security and Medic for the Bravo team. She became the unit's youngest and most inexperienced member, which made her quite nervous around her teammates. Because of this, she was eager to please and has been known to take on any task assigned to her without hesitation. Uh, Project Umbrella's profile has her as uh, recruited as team medic despite lack of field experience specifically for her knowledge in chemistry. Due to her young age, fellow officer Richard Aiken was charged with looking after her. To show that she was a medical professional, she was equipped with a red and white nurse wristwatch, equipped with a pulse meter for monitoring injured individuals. She also joined the RPD intramural basketball team. (laughs) So... That's the setup for Rebecca. She is, as previously stated, the the rookie of the team, uh, the most inexperienced. And whilst it's very obvious that the point of Resident Evil is everyone being thrown in the deep end of this crazy situation, she probably uh, is the most ill-prepared for it. Um, Steve, any thoughts on the background information? Well, yeah,
1: it's funny you mentioned the RE Wikia because I kind of I did a bit of research before the podcast. I know research me, try not to (laughs) faint. And she was born in 1980, which means she is if she graduated college in 18, uh, 18, that's still 98. So she literally same year she graduates college, she's joined the Stars unit and then goes through all of this.
0: (laughs) That's very true, actually.
1: That's a very busy year. That's a very very busy year.
0: (laughs) From extreme Uh, highs um, to extreme lows.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of child prod- prodigies in the Resident Evil universe. Let's let's not mm. let's not beat around the bush here. But that that's pretty that's pretty special, right there. Um, I think Rebecca, as a whole, being the medic and also apparently a basketball team member and uh, yeah, part of a paramilitary military SWAT team, it's, it's a decent thing to achieve at age 18. She's younger than Claire is. That's
0: you know, only about yeah. a year. Yeah, that's video game character logic isn't it you know mm. you're, you're in an expert military squad and you're 18 years old <laughs> okay <laughs> we, we hired you regardless of the fact that you've had no military experience video but games she just tra-
2: operate a grenade launcher <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think she was, she was brought into it um, I think much like uh, um, much like a, a, a med is brought into the armed forces you know mm. they are trained. Right. But uh, a new med, when they go into the armed forces and the real world, you know, they're expected to treat and that's what they do, you know, and yeah, it's just really unfortunate for her that she had to go through a whole viral infection at the same time.
0: (laughs) I guess there's some sort of logic. Uh, Maybe it's a stretch, some headcanon perhaps, that they hired someone based on their knowledge in chemistry because they knew of advances in. Uh, chemical warfare and stuff that were going on at that time in the universe, I guess.
1: <laughs> Knowing her briefness, like if when you break it down with the whole, like, she has just finished college and then she gets picked up by the RPD to be probably headhunted by Wesker, considering he has the creepy photo. Yeah, of course. You know, it, it's likely it's something in his plans for the whole testing situation because, you know, they had to throw the stars unit at the, you know, the bioweapons inside the mansion. Uh, maybe she, he picked Rebecca so that they, they need a medical expert on team to try and maybe get data on how they will treat injuries or something. I, I'm reaching a bit, but do you, know, do you understand what I kind of yeah, mean Yeah, that
0: actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm fairly sure it's fact that Wesker picked every Stars member specifically by himself. I'm fairly sure mm. that's true. So now that you mention it, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Mm. Yeah, actually, I think in a couple of the games as well and the, the stage, Uh, the play, she was mentioned as being a genius in this Mm. field, I believe, as well. So, like, yeah, that would make complete sense for
0: Wescatine. Indeed. So, moving to the first appearance canonically for her, which is, I guess, really the most important one. It's the one where Rebecca is the lead character character. in a way, her only starring role, if you like. Uh, Resident Evil Zero, which takes place in 1998. Rebecca, Rebecca was portrayed by Riva Paolo in this version. Um, and of course, this is the story of her being sent in with Bravo team uh, into the Arclay Forest after various reports of grisly murders and all that business. Gets caught up with escaped convict Billy Cohen um, getting on board the Ecliptic Express umbrella train and um, uncovering secrets as to the formation of Umbrella and the creation of the T-Virus and that kind of thing. So this is the earliest game in the canon, so I suppose in a way that's kind of nice for her to be at the forefront of the first ever experience, the first ever outbreak committed to release, at least. Uh,
1: first stars member to shoot a zombie, technically.
0: Yes, sure. yeah, that's Worst true. hasn't
1: shot anything yet, yeah. yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. obviously, being the big Rebecca fan, uh, Mister Owlett, how do you feel about Resident Evil Zero and Rebecca's appearance in that?
2: Uh, Rebecca's uh, Rebecca Chambers in Resident Evil Zero is exactly how I expected her to be in a um, in a kind of up to up to date game. Like when I seen her in director's cut, well, what you ca- could see anyway, uh, I, uh, I I still got through who she was. And then when I listened to her and watched Steve play her in Resident Evil Zero, I I got her like I was even more in love with her in Resident Evil Zero, like uh, I the game so much I wasn't too hot on, right? But her and Billy Cohen as well. He's actually the first sidekick I've actually liked through the <laughs> entire thing. But um, yeah, Rebecca, I really like it. She's uh, she's solid. Like she, I think in the later games. You learn that she's really trying to um, keep to her career as a medical professional by preserving life. She doesn't want to kill things, even though they are undead, unless her life is in danger, which it was in Zero constantly. Um, but yeah, if, if if it is under in, in danger, she will eradicate. Right, she will do what she can. Um, but she tries her best, even in Zero, to not kill things, but she has to anyway, because it's her life.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, they they try and strike that balance between having a, a strong, playable character and Rebecca's original sort of personality. Not saying that she didn't have strong like elements to her in the original Resident Evil or anything, but being more of the caring... Um, I want to say moral is maybe not the right word, but that kind of character. Um, for me, I think they went a little bit too far in one direction. I think she might be a little bit too strong, and this ties into some other appearances from her. I don't think she freaks out, or at least script-wise, she doesn't have enough chances to kind of freak out about what's going on. Um, You get that much more in other appearances, Um, and I understand, obviously, Perhaps they didn't want to have it so that she was relying on a man kind of thing. You have Billy as the strong, capable one and Rebecca freaking out too much. That's not a good look either. So it's a really tough balance to get. But for me, Zero is a bit odd because, yeah, she seems more forthcoming and and capable in this than later appearances, which is slightly odd. Steve, how did you feel about this one? See, I, I'm
1: I'm torn because I I kind of feel like Zero Rebecca is my favorite Rebecca. You know, I I feel I can understand your point, Sai, but I feel like it's it's almost like if going through Rebecca's entire like across the franchise kind of role, it feels like in Zero and maybe a bit in the start of Vendetta when she's by herself or she's in the position of authority, she can let loose and be confident mm. in the stuff. But whenever there's someone else around, she will back down and like defer to them. You know what I mean? Like um, after Zero, you've got the nightmare scenarios, and then obviously Resident Evil One, and so on. She always after then she's always in like secondary role. She's always like the the person slightly behind the main character, so to speak. Uh, Whereas in Zero, she's she's on her own, and she has to like because Billy is a criminal. You know, she doesn't know much about him until later on in the game, and she has to basically sort of assert her authority over him. Sure, I'm saying, yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole like, oh, yeah, as Officer Chambers to you, don't call me little girl, and so on. You know, she
2: also, excuse me. She also, um, this is her first assignment, Mm. like the zero was her first assignment, right? So all of her training kicks in, right? But you still got that. I felt you still had that Rebecca from director's cut in there, uh, resident evil one, right? You still had her in there, but this moment where she had to fight for her life, as Steve says, she was on her own. Um, she had to kick herself in the ass. But as soon as yeah, as you say, actually I didn't actually think about that. But as soon as like a, a more authoritative, authoritative uh, uh, person comes by, um, she yeah she goes to them, asks for their opinion uh, because she is the inferior. So I think she just and that's yeah I think I think I, saying, that was, I think what Sinead just said as well. I think like if uh, yeah if they try to make her a little bit like she was in Director's Cut and a little bit like Vendetta, Vendetta. although I like her in Vendetta because she's more of a civilian. Um, Yeah, I I, I think there would have been uproar. uh, Mm.
0: Yeah. No, that's a a good point. I think that's one thing that's really great about her character as well is that she doesn't automatically fit into the indestructible role. She's not the be-all and end-all and I think that's okay for not every character to be sort of butting heads with each other about who's going to be in control and who's going to be the leader. I think that's actually shows a different side to everything because there's uh, there's several characters in this franchise and in lots of things the uh, you know the action man slash woman you know that's capable in every every way um, and mm-hmm. is always top of the totem pole. And yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Um, if there's someone else there to defer to, be it an equal or a superior and it makes sense especially in this uh, example where as James just said it's her first day as well um, but in the situation that she is with Billy she does have to take a few steps to say well no I'm I'm in charge here because <laughs> even even if she is kind of you can tell and i props to the performance you can tell that she's not completely comfortable in that role being like hey you listen to me you know she's not had the experience stepping up like that so, fair play yeah, on that yeah. point. And in, in terms of Billy as well, I really like the fact that they didn't go down a love story sort of route with this. Um, we've had that in other games where two characters fall in love over the course of one night and it's nonsense. <laughs> um, there, there,
2: but- is a, there is a massive <laughs> smile on my face right now because that is, ex- I think I said that to you, Steve, didn't I? Mm. Uh, right at the end. Of Zero, I said, Oh my god, we don't have a love triangle, mm. or some kind of love interest. I'm so happy. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
0: They, they just go from two characters that have to coexist to actually caring about each other um, in a friendship sort of way, you know, in a, in a cooperative sort of way. Um, even the fact that she has information about Billy, which may or may not be true about him murdering all these people. She can mm. judge his character for what it actually is. And then they have that conversation where she tells, you know, says to him, tell me the truth. I can take it because she's not, you know, she's she's grappling with what she's read and what she's experiencing. Um, yeah. Having to assist and be assisted by this guy in this nightmare of a situation.
2: They they could have they could have gone for like the really, really easy Hollywood route. Right. Of her just being ditzy and stupid, mm. you know, but they didn't. Like, she's an intelligent woman, and it tells you, you know, the games tell you that she's an intelligent woman, and she uses that those smarts, you know, to tell that Billy is not as bad as everyone's saying he is. And I like that, because she uses her brain. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, So even with my gripes a little bit... um, we got the weekly polls segment uh, section on our Discord server where we ask our community various Resident Evil subjects every week. And this week, of course, podcast-centric poll was, um, which is your favourite Rebecca Chambers appearance, and Zero came out on top. So that's fair enough. I completely understand it. She also gets the most screen time here, and I don't mean that in an excuse kind of way, but it gives her room to kind of expand on, on that character and show more of it than we've had before. Um, one minor touch that I love in this game is the piano thing where she can play the piano <laughs> but you know, not, you know it would help if she had the music in front of her which is obviously a nice little through line to the original game
1: yeah, I know I, I was um, I was kind of harsh on the pot on the podcast the last podcast we did about Resident Evil Zero when we were talking about the switch ports, and I kind of feel like as bad as I do, as much as I don't like Zero, Rebecca and Billy are like two of the most human characters cut across in a main Resident Evil game. I mean, alright, remake two's got its moments now, but I think they're you know they have more human moments in the way that Billy just like just struts on and like is now a maestro of the keyboard, this uh, military killing machine. Yeah. Whereas Rebecca, Rebecca, who has now been you know established as a child prodigy, can't play keys worth a damn. <laughs> it's very child.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I mean, it, it has a few slip-ups every now and then in terms of characters. Like Billy's first appearance is very weird because, you know, he's like, oh, I've been fantasizing about me, have you? It's, yeah. It's not congruent with, like, the rest of his character, but hey-ho. Yeah. And obviously, I, the villain I, I, is ridiculous, but there you
2: go. <laughs> I I completely agree with that, and I I during the play the let's play, I said to Steve, "Oh, we're not. We haven't got another one of these, do we?"
0: Mm. I had right? to tell him and in between
2: then, recordings. He gets better. He does. He gets better. Yeah, Steve was really hyping him up, and then yeah, he, he did actually grow on me. I just wish they didn't open it up with that. Yeah, mm. it kind of lowered it. Forward.
0: Yeah, that's really the only part where it slips up. I think the rest of it's pretty good in terms of his characterization, like the crescendo moment, like I said, where they have that conversation about Billy's history. I think by that point, um, it's fairly easy to be warmed up to him and them as a as an existing unit. Any other mm. thoughts on Zero before we move on?
1: Uh, I, d- do we talk about the parallels in Umbrella Chronicles? Should we, should we touch on that? Yeah, if you like. There's still some like character banter of the same incident. All right. All right first and foremost, the for, the voice actress for Rebecca not the best, but the actual like portrayal of her, where she's like being very dominant. Like, do you need help? No. Do you? You know, where she's very mm-hmm. like dismissive of Billy being sassy back to her. She will sass him straight back. I do love that about the Umbrella Chronicles version of the Trained derailment. You know, um, other than that, I haven't really got much to say other than probably my favourite version of Rebecca for the most part.
2: Yeah same here um she is she that that uh, Resident Evil Zero is my favorite representation of her uh she's just the most human and uh I think she sets up uh, her story she sets up her story quite well with zero and uh yeah I don't think I have anything else to say about it
0: Fair enough well let's bridge the gap between Zero and Resident Evil with Nightmare which are the two scenarios that can be unlocked um, in Umbrella Chronicles, the rail shooter, the first of the two rail shooter games. Obviously, this, of course, takes place also in 1998, um, I guess, during the daytime or hours. Yeah, it must have been hours before Resident Evil now that I think about it. And, uh, yeah, because it's dark.
1: It's still dark Yeah, outside.
0: and considering how it ends as well, that makes total sense. So, yes, it's the following evening, and it stars Rebecca alongside Richard as the playable characters, making their way from the residence or guardhouse, however you prefer, uh, into the mansion and encountering Yawn, It doesn't 100% fit with the canon, (laughs) partly because it sort of implies that Rebecca is some sort of weird soothsayer who can see the future, but (laughs) (laughs) because she has a dream about a creature that she's not encountered at that point, but there you go. Betrayed by Stephanie Shea. How do we feel about the nightmare scenarios? Uh, Owlet, why don't you kick us off with this one?
2: Um, I, Yeah, uh, I mean, I didn't play the game, but I watched it. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, as you say, the very strange dream sequence mm. kind of took me out a little bit. But when she actually got up and I heard her and her mannerisms and, mannerisms and stuff, I, I immediately, okay, Rebecca's back. There she mm. is. You know, I, I I did get her, and um, she even made some decisions as well, uh, which was nice to see. Um, through through uh, from what I watched, because uh, when she's got someone else with her, as we said earlier, she tends to turn to the other person unless that person is an is an inferior. She tends to turn to that person and say, "What should we do now?" In Umbrella Chronicles, she doesn't. She she makes decisions. She's like, "No, we need to go down here now." Um, and Richard is like, yeah. "Why?" Right, and just get down here. You know she's quite authoritative, um, and it's nice to see that um, with her. And when you um, break it down, she's been dealing with these monsters maybe
1: more than Richard has, because obviously Zero has just occurred, and Richard might have just been doling around in the mansion, going, "Oh, this is a nice dusty house filled with zombies." And she, <laughs> she's fought, she's fought like God knows how many like prototype monsters and hunters at this point. But, you know, so yeah.
2: I get what you're saying, though, James yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's what I was saying it's like it's really nice to see um it's really nice to see her kind of you know just take charge and uh tell them you know telling them how it is and yeah you bring up a good point she's been through at this point she's been through more than anyone has um yeah. at, uh, well other than the uh the boys the big boys behind it all but um yeah she's been through more than anyone and she is taking it in a stride at this point Um, through Zero and through um, Brenda Chronicles.
0: See, that's interesting. Because for me, the most striking things about um, the Nightmare scenarios is the moments of doubt that she has about their survival and and, and moments like that. There is a particular part um, in Nightmare 2 where she almost has a complete freak out and, you know, uh, we're totally screwed kind of thing. And, And it dawns on her that they might be the only members of Stars Left Alive or at least Bravo team. Which I quite like, because for me that matches what I thought of her original personality more. She has that moment of like panic, presses on regardless, but it's there, and I like the fact that they actually show that, uh, that that kind of thing where it's she's freaking out, but the survival instincts are pushing on.
1: Do you think yeah. it's like seeing from zero to nightmare to? what we would know as the, the pres well the main resident evil game that like this is that nightmare's the, the incident where her spirit gets kinda of shattered then mm. like where she goes from that to I mean obviously the end of Nightmare is Yawn has his way with Richard. And that probably just cripples her spirit a bit, which is why she's a little bit more subdued.
0: It's definitely a way to look at it, I think, yeah. After all mm. she's been through, she escaped, she survived and then the very next night it's all happening again. Um yeah. that's definitely how I feel about it as well.
1: I mean, Rich, you said Richard was assigned basically as a, not, not, not a bodyguard, but like someone to keep an eye out for her. So that her protector, so to speak, getting really badly messed up mm. while she's with him. I mean, that could knock her confidence down.
0: Absolutely.
2: Uh, I'm just curious, what was Richard's role?
0: And I mean, this He was, isn't about Richard.
1: He was their, um, their radio, no, he wasn't their radio guy, was he? That was Richard Forrest, or was Forrest Marksman.
0: Forrest is a marksman, but he might also be radio guy. Let me just quickly look up what his technical role is.
2: Um, yeah, uh, like if we learn his role, then we might have a better understanding. I'm fairly of why sure why
0: you're right, better Steve. Communication expert, just,
2: other than just mm. ouch guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's Richard,
1: though. You he, he, he didn't see it in remake for Chris's campaign, James. But he, like, he actually he, he got a little bit more screen time in Chris's remake campaign, and he actually. Sacrifices himself against the sharks, and there's a few. I think there's like a moment or two where everyone's together, and he's like passed, tired
2: or passed out on the bed, and it's just it's it's nice. Mm. Um, I uh, I I did I did see that actually, and it it actually surprised me. I was like, oh no, no, that was a really rough way to go. Where's my revelations game about
1: Richard Aiken and the rest of the Bravo team getting whacked? <laughs> you know?
0: Well, that game is the game that zero we all thought zero was going to be. To be fair, yeah, yeah. But there you go. I think the, the including Richard in this was a really good call because a it's always nice to give some stars members that don't usually get screen time a little more to give them more to do, and b they uh, her and um, him and Rebecca actually have a, a, a kind of cool setup because they do have that brother-sister sort of dynamic. She's being looked after by him and kind of mentored by him, if you like. And Richard's uh, past before Stars. The reason he joined Stars is he lost uh, a younger sister um, due to criminal activity. And that's what spurred his interest in that kind of thing. So it all, it all ties together quite nicely there. And as you say, closes up with um, Richard's imminent demise as we uh, venture into the spencer mansion in the original game so mm. whilst it doesn't connect completely it's actually a really cool little additional scenario that they didn't even really have to do but it, it's really cool that it exists and yeah, it's, it's
2: good that it's good it's good that they they thought it through and they went through with it and yeah because I, I like connections like that yeah it's it's really nice to have a a, a constant flowing story
0: it's something that the the chronicle games do pretty well in general is just that they'll find a gap where there could be something explained or added to and they and they'll put in a little bit of a side story so i
1: to say the general rule of thumb is if it's in umbrella chronicles and it's not if it's a part if it's a reenactment of the main game it's considered non-canon mm. but if it's not it is canon now right Yeah
0: indeed <laughs> yeah. It's a funny, uh, funny state of affairs with the Resident Evil canon in general, but it is funny looking <laughs> at those games where it's like, yeah, all like the extra bonus stuff, those are canon. The re- the actual core game, not so much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would argue that Hunk's, um, Hunk's scenario in A Brother Chronicles makes much more sense narratively than, than, than these, any of his other ones, including Remake 2 as well. I mean, obviously it's a minigame in the others, but that one feels like it could sort of occur.
0: Is that in chron- yeah. uh, Umbrella or Dark Side Chronicles? Classic that Umbrella Chronicles. Okay. It's, uh, surprisingly,
1: it's the last. It's the second to last thing you unlock. Right. Um, same with Ada's Death Door. Yeah, because yeah. Ada and Hunk get their stories in the one for Resident Evil 1, 0, and 3, yeah. not the one with 2 and Veronica, which makes loads of sense, Capcom.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I touched um, Umbrella Chronicles. I'll, I should dust that off and have a go through it at some point, but yeah. nonetheless. So. Let's move on to Rebecca's first ever appearance. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 1996. Obviously, again, this also takes place in 1998. Um, Rebecca appeared in Chris's scenario in the main game as the side character, the Barry to Jill, if you like, in Chris's scenario. And uh, this is where we we uh, learned about her for the first time and, and picked up what her personality was Um, introduced to her. There's multiple, there's two ways you can meet her depending on where you go first. One is the hallway where Richard was bitten by the snake and all that stuff. Um, And from there, uh, she teams up with Chris to assist him in various different tasks. Um, In this game, she was portrayed by uh, an actor who just went by Linda for the live action segments, and Lynn Harris is her voice performance So, uh, Steve, why don't you start off Resident Evil 1996. How do you feel about the first ever Rebecca Chambers?
1: The first ever Rebecca Chambers? Ah, She's okay. You know, (laughs) I'm not going to lie, the voice acting takes me out a little bit. But as a character, she's cool. I kind of, I think she's still portrayed as more human than every other Resident Evil character at the point at this time. Because she messes up. She can't Mm. do anything. The piano, as we've already touched on in Resident Evil Zero, I the, having played Z- if you play Zero and come back to either the remake or the original, though you always feel like why why is Claire I mean, sorry not why is Rebecca struggling with all this stuff? Why she's she's took down a giant leech monster like this morning, you know. <laughs> but outside of that, in the context of the, just purely the game, I mean, she's okay. I kind of feel like Barry's more fun because Barry's got the whole portrayal angle, whereas Rebecca is looking up to Chris the entire time. You know, she's very, I don't want to say in awe, but she's eager to please him. And mm. the second that he's in trouble, she comes a-running, which is cool. She's playable, as opposed to Barry, though, which is nice. So it gives the the player a bit more time to play, you know, a, a little bit to dabble in something different. Uh, outside of that, though, kind of underwhelmed, mm. if you want a better term. I like the way that she uh, still shows that she's more prepared, though. I mean, she gets shot and gets back up, because she's wearing a bulletproof vest, and Wesker, this master schemer, can't seem to aim for the head. <laughs> you can't so shoot that beautiful head, Steve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I mean, she's one of those characters that a lot of people will claim as, oh, he's the annoying character. And I no, don't, I I, don't, I know, annoying. No, I know you didn't mean that, but and unless... Some people will say that, and that kind of irritates me, because I don't feel that way at all. But she, uh, yeah, she, she, out of the choice between her and Barry, I usually play the Jill scenario, so I wonder if that's why. But she does have plenty of her own stuff going on, like you say. There's the whole uh, part where Chris is too stupid to make a, a chemical, and she's the genius. She's the child prodigy, so she, she can do that. She can heal Chris uh, as well, which is cool when you go and visit her. Um, and that's cool because that plays. Learn to play the piano. Yeah, but that plays into the actual the basics of the character as, as being this genius chemist and, and medic. So that's always good. Her writing. Oh, sorry. Her, uh, just that her writing is all about helping others, so it makes sense.
1: And I say she's the first Stars member to touch an umbrella. If you play Chris's campaign first, as well, isn't she? Because she's got mm. to hold most of these things are made by the Umbrella Corporation and. Um, you know, if you haven't put two and two together at the point you're at the guardhouse or residence, so uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. She's touching on things that everyone should notice It's from the get go, but
0: yeah, in case you might missed files as well, that kind of thing.
2: Hmm. Um. With me, I think completely different. Yeah. <laughs> with because um, I always actually when when I first heard her, I just instantly fell in love with her character. I don't know why. Um and I, t- I on the let's play it's a joke, but I actually do really like her character. I just sensed there's something else there. There's something else underneath. Mm-hmm. And I was also prefaced with Steve saying that there is there was something else going on. I was like, okay, I'm really intrigued. What happened to this woman? What what's made her turn into this kind of more timid person? Um so I was really interested and then I learned about it and now I kind of understand cuz as you were saying earlier on Sai she kind of cracked a little bit mm. um, and when yeah and when Chris came along it's like okay okay everything's in order everything's fine right that's basically what I got in Resident <laughs> Evil Director's Cut co- was everything's great Chris is here Jill's here Wesker's here we're going to figure this out you know and I was just like yeah I can get on with that cuz that would kind of be me in that situation like if my superior officer came, I'd be like, all right, this is fine. We've got the reinforcements. We're going to be great, right? And then she started again, everything started to go down. And then she's, she was like, okay, and now I'm the one who's doing it. I've done this before. I can do it. And then she does it. And I really respect her for that. And knowing from the past two games as well, well, Umbrella Chronicles and Zero, knowing her history, it makes me respect her even more.
0: That is completely – that was a good defense, I applaud that, I think. And also, as well, she does have a habit of sort of stealing the show at times from Chris. Chris is just sort of like, his character, especially in the first game, really is just sort of dumb meathead guy. Whereas there's more going on with Rebecca, like you say. You know, she can save him from Plant 42 and that kind of thing. It's a great crescendoing moment for her. And, And Steve just said you know, she's smart enough to be wearing body armor as well. So there's several moments where, yeah, she's the the focus for me in a lot of those cutscenes.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree with that.
0: How do we feel about the comparison of Resident Evil 96 to 2002, however? Obviously, that's going to be a big one. Um, it's uh... the same kind of thing, obviously. You've got the same story and all that. Portrayed this time by Hope Levy. Um, how do we feel about it stacking up against the 1996 version?
1: It's strange that the voice actress performance—it makes me feel like actually very convincing. After if you back to back zero in the remake, it feels like I can believe that's how tired I would feel because <laughs> she always seems a little bit, a little bit worn out. Mm. You know, I don't mean that in a knock. I mean that the character generally seems fatigued by all the things that are going on around it. Um, doesn't seem anywhere near as hopeful or as uh, optimistic at times as obviously her zero and I would argue a little bit of her original game's counterpart. If you encounter her, for example, when Richard's like on the floor, she's just like, uh, what? Uh uh, uh okay. You know, very, very almost dazed and confused. I I kinda like the actual portrayal as it's more human than yeah. than like the superheroes we've come to know of the Resident Evil franchise over the years. Which you know, I, I give it credit. I mean, she feels like out of the whole whole bunch of the protagonists. We've touched on this before, but she's she's the least superheroic. And she feels very on superheroic in the remake.
0: My uh, note for this is uh, her performance feels very real here. So I, I'm in 100% agreement with that. And mm. uh, the, the sort of level of confidence and strength that she shows actually kind of matches up with everything that's gone on before. My favourite moment of this is um, after she's healed Chris, I think it is, she just has, she has the breakdown, which is completely, you know, been building up to this point where she just starts sobbing into his chest and he has Mm -hmm. to comfort her briefly and then she you know swallows it down and gets on with it um which is great because for me strength in characters doesn't come from being the you know the god that can just cleave through everything and not care strength is about overcoming weakness this is an inexperienced 18 year old girl that's gone through ridiculous amounts over the last 36 hours or whatever it is at this point. And yeah. so she deserves to have that moment of breakdown. I think this is probably my personal favourite, but I have a feeling that uh, Mr. Owlet disagrees with this one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, no, no, she, uh, looking at it from a different perspective, like, and not looking at it from a perspective of uh, could, Coming from my life, Mm. I've gone through many things, you know, and I've changed, have to change the way I do things and how I approach things. And I think that's why I can relate to the Rebecca Chambers in Zero, UC, and One, and and Resident Evil, uh, Director's Cut. Um, Because she changes so much and she takes charge and then she just, she uh, defers and, you know. But in the remake, I couldn't connect with her. I don't know why. Um, she's, as Steve said, she sounded tired. Um, she sounded exhausted. She'd given up. Um, I did like the scene where she puts her head in. You know, she, she just kind of breaks down. Uh, that was a very human scene for me. And um, it was, uh, yeah. Um, it was hard to see my baby be sad. <laughs> <Right>. but, <laughs> um, but seriously, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, could, I don't know why. I just couldn't connect with it enough. Um, and it might be because I had played so much with Rebecca in previously and watched a lot previously as well, and I just had this image of her in my mind and who she was that when I, uh, I watched slash played remake, I couldn't connect with her because I already had an idea of who she was in my head.
0: That's fair enough. I mean, it is one of those things where it depends – when you see media and in what order and stuff like that and how attached you are, I can completely understand the the view that this is a different take on it and it doesn't feel quite right for some people. My big issue with this, obviously, is the disparity between this and Zero. Like mm. These games were both released in the same year, um, but obviously something like the two teams that were making them, I guess, couldn't be bothered to talk to each other because they don't really fit together. Um, Rebecca's been through all that she's been through, but she doesn't feel the need to bring any of that up, even slightly, even any kind of slight reference or nod. She doesn't say, yeah, by the way, Umbrella doing all this, horrible monsters, T-virus. Uh,
1: it's... See, uh, I've had to, yeah, I, I agree with you, Si, and I feel like there has to be a bit of personal head canoning going hmm. on, so to speak. I feel like Resident Evil Zero occurs if the Jill campaign takes place. <laughs> right. right, yeah. If, if, if the Jill campaign takes place, Resident Evil Zero occurs, and then Rebecca gets either picked up by Brad or just makes her own way back to the city, and we don't see it. Right. But if, if Resident Evil Zero doesn't take place, then Rebecca doesn't have any idea what's going on, and she just goes with, you know, th- th- let's say they don't find the wrecked wagon, and then they go directly to the Spencer Mansion. That's the only way. And then the Chris campaign starts. I know... That, that's gonna the, the canon debate of RE1 and all the rest of it is, is a nightmare but it's a way to unrangle some things it's a way for Barry to be there and go hey here's my revolver and then Revelations 2 drops the bombshell that you know the whole ceiling sequence with Jill happened you know you were almost a clear sandwich
3: um,
0: yeah but I, I mean uh,
1: could we have been dealing with two different Resident Evil metaverses this entire time <laughs> <laughs> there's the Chris timeline and then there's the Jill timeline and then everyone goes <laughs> no
0: see that's the thing I love when people bring up ah but later game referencing this <laughs> so this must happen but you can just as easily say ah yes but biohazard the stage shows a flashback shows the and Chris <laughs> yeah, the mansion exactly so <laughs> there's flaws there <laughs>
1: yeah, the stage is from the Chris timeline uh, Revelations 2 is from the Jill timeline
0: um, oh dear I'll start opening a notepad three now three years later and, we're still debating this yeah uh, I'll start <laughs> writing this down <laughs> you okay. do understand my reasoning though, right? Oh, I yeah. do, I do, yeah. yeah. Of course, the, the, the general agreed canon with the original game and with 2, um, to a certain extent, is that key events took place, um, but the actual gameplay and, and, and little bits like this leave it up to your own imagination because obviously both Chris and Jill scenarios did actually happen, but they can't actually happen together. It wouldn't make any sense. So there's a yeah. a third you know scenario which combines all of the characters together that we didn't really see. That's that's the truth of the of the which story. Which is the Chronicles? <laughs> because it's no Barry. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, uh,
2: it's, it's best not to. Uh, <laughs> this is coming from me. It's best not to overthink those kind of things.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> there was a th- uh, Not to just to uh, railroad a little, but there was a, there was a strange thing I saw the other day where someone mentioned that Umbrella Chronicles is great in that if you look at it from the perspective of Wesker writing it and he has written Barry out because he's really got a hate boner for the man. <laughs> you know, that's why everything's occurring and Barry isn't mentioned at all. And yeah, yeah, that's kind of hilarious, actually. He just Excellent. hates it because he got shot. <laughs>
3: Hours have passed and we still can't find a way out of this facility. What was the Umbrella Corporation doing in this foreboding place? Why all the security locks, secret passages, and traps? This seems less like a training facility for new employees and more like a channel house of unspeakable horrors. My sense of dread continues to grow as we encounter more and more members of Umbrella's first investigation unit turned into creepy zombies. If Umbrella's own personnel had no chance to survive, how can we live through this night? Lieutenant Cohen has proved to be a valuable ally in almost every situation. I will never forget being trapped in that mutant monster's claws. I was sure it was all over. Yet Billy risked his own life to save me. How did he kill all those people? It must be some kind of mistake. I have to find out the truth about him, and I think we also need to find out what happened to the mysterious Dr. Marcus. Did he really disappear? Or could he still be here after all these years?
0: Okay, so next on our list of things to get to is Biohazard the Stage, which is an interesting one because most of the time when you mention this to people, they ask, what are you talking about? Biohazard the Stage is a Japanese stage play that was shown briefly for a little while and uh, was set in the Resident Evil universe around the year 2010 in Western Australia. Rebecca Chambers is a part of the story, also features Chris and Piers um, before Resident Evil 6 and that kind of thing. Um, This is the first time, I believe, I could be wrong on this front, that Rebecca was portrayed by a Japanese actress in any form, because at this point none of the games had Japanese voice acting, so... There's a little tidbit of information, perhaps. So, Rin Asker uh, played Rebecca Chambers live action on stage. Um, How do we feel about the stage's interpretation of Rebecca? She is more of a bit part, but she's in it nonetheless. And it does have some information on the big time jump between 98 and 2010.
2: So, for me, you may say she's a small bit part, but to me... (laughs) She was a very big one. I was just looking at, every, every time she was on the stage, I was I was looking at her and seeing what she was doing. Um, I love that they, by the way, I absolutely love the stage and you all should watch it. If you like Resident Evil, I think you will love the stage. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. I don't know, if, do you agree with that? Oh. Me? Oh, sorry.
0: No, no, I go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind uh, of enjoyed it. To say I was one of these people who only saw it a couple of days ago. Mm. I was surprised at the production values of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I it's super got a enjoyed lot of interesting
0: that. stuff going on. You know, it sounds like a ridiculous notion, but yeah. Well, I'm sure we will definitely do an episode of on the stage at some point down the line because it. it I feel like it deserves it as it's kind of an unsung piece of media.
2: Hmm. But yeah, uh, back to what I was saying with Rebecca. She. I think she was portrayed very, very well in this um, to what I had in my mind of who she was and watching Vendetta later on, which we're going to talk about later, um, it made sense as well. Mm. Um, I, I feel like that film um, took from the stage actually quite a lot. Um, and it was nice to see her in a career. You know, um, like beforehand you see her, she, was, uh, she had her armor on. She was, a, she was a, basically an army medic um, in some kind of armed forces, and she was doing her best with what she had, and it just happens again. This poor woman; <laughs> she has a she has a career, and she's doing very well in it. And then she just starts investigating because something's just not quite right. Um, because of, because of course, and uh, yeah, I really liked her in it. She was uh, she was, she was really good, and, and she keeps to her ideals of trying to preserve life. She does it all the way through the stage. She tries the best not to her just wants to uncover and let the big boys do all the big work basically
0: absolutely um it's really interesting like you say like they give you so much with so little with her backstory at this point because it's been so long canonically since we'd seen her they they actually took the time out to clearly think about what they wanted to do with the rebecca character um this is this is canon, this whole thing. As far as I know, it doesn't conflict with anything, so there's no reason to believe it isn't. Um, I don't think it's something that Capcom tend to acknowledge. So if you like, it's grey canon at best, but there's no reason why it isn't canon. And the fact they bothered to put flashbacks, not just to the the fun little part with the original game where they kind of are telling you the story so far, but they show you some years previous where they touch on uh, Rebecca joining the BSAA, uh, being part of an outbreak in Minnesota, and now in 2010, where she's become a temporary science teacher at Philosophy Cities uh, University teaching viralology, which, yeah, it makes sense and it matches up with later appearances as well. But yeah, like in terms of that kind of stuff, they did a really good job with her.
1: To, to put it strangely, that when I was watching the whole thing, by the end of it, I felt like Rebecca is both her character that we see in Vendetta and she feels like she's a bootleg A one. Because she's she's technically in this university to spy on, um, is it Howard? Mm. Uh, Which is obviously the espionage bit. Uh, She gets wounded. She gets uh, kidnapped. And she also shows up at the end to to kill the final baddie with a rocket launcher which in my mind is very Ada Wong-like. <laughs> there are obviously the, the, the points where she's looking at your own students and she's like re- barely able to kill them and stuff like that. That's really cool. And whereas Chris is a militant badass doing his whole fight dance sequence, she's just very humane almost, you know? Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, I know. I feel bad that she kind of – she seems to get kidnapped an awful lot or dragged away, but, mm. you know – almost like she's a second stringer to that Sophie girl at times. But without Rebecca in it, there is a lot of trouble occurring in that play. But I feel like her character is almost like in a transitional stage, where she's going from badass zero Rebecca to teacher Rebecca that we see later on. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, all the while she's doing her best spy routine without being a spy. She's just basically there going, so that professor's doing virology, right? Coy, Coy Mark, Coy Mark, Mark, <laughs> you know. But um, so yeah, I think I liked her. I feel like she was the most true to her previous character. Uh, Chris didn't feel much like Chris for me. Piers, uh, although he's like my standout one character I like from ready 6, didn't feel like Piers. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll give it that for the stage.
0: That's fair enough. And like you said, there's that moment of weakness that she has where they have to shoot the students that have now become infected. Um, mm. I love that as well because, yeah, it is. It's Rebecca at her core. It kind of, yeah, it is. It's 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 more her moral center, and it even possibly informs the decision that she le- I, I, we assume leaves the BSAA um, after this, or, or or at least in less capacity, moving on in vendetta and becoming more of a civilian. So, yeah, it's a great little piece in between these two different versions of the character.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean. What is it? It's, it Tyler, the uh, the the side character who's tied to the main big bad, she's the only other character to have like a separate scene with him. So she also is, it, I would argue, more integral to the plot than even Chris and Piers are, even though they fight the big baddies at the end. So she's got that too.
2: I do, I do feel like Chris and Piers were kind of shoehorned in. They were, they were just there because they have to put the... Well, I mean, I haven't met Piers yet in the games, um, but Chris definitely, like, he was just put in there because he was a name, you know, and he needed to go there and be the badass and kill the bad guy.
1: It's strange, because I don't think in the musical they do have any of the big names in it, but I can't remember that well. I know we're talking about the stage and not the musical, but...
0: Yeah, I don't disagree, actually, now that you mention it. She actually has, like, plot servicing importance, whereas those two, yeah, they're just thrown in there for the action shoot the zombie parts. The the, yeah. the 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 plot driving characters for the most part are all the ones are like that were written for the stage specifically and Rebecca. So and again I, I agree with what Steve said that uh, her being taken hostage is kind of a shame, especially yeah. as we're about to move on to Vendetta as well. But I do like that she gets her like she gets away from it herself and uh, yeah at the end drops off the rocket launcher for the classic Resi finish. Mm.
2: I, I did. I did love that bit. I was like, "Yes, it's Resident Evil. There's a rocket launcher." Uh, yeah. There's no countdown
1: though.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, two out of three. There's a. There's no countdown, but there is a rocket launcher and someone that injects themselves with something for no reason. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which. Uh, so, Rebecca's most recent appearance is Resident Evil Vendetta, it's the third CGI film. This takes place um, an unspecified time, but it's sometime after 2013 in the canon. Again, Rebecca is supporting plot um, kind of character rather than a driving action kind of character and uh, sees her taking up her new career um, in the Alexander Institute of Biotechnology, which is in Chicago. Uh, in this film, she is portrayed by Erin Cahill. Uh, James, how do you feel about Vendetta?
2: Um, I, I watched this at Steve's after a, a heavy recording day, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, actually, uh, it, it, it felt like a it felt like a film uh, version of one of the games, and it was nice to see. I, even though it's got my beloved Matt Mercer in it, <laughs> you, you guys all know how much I love him. Um, I I did feel like there was a little bit of shoehorning there with Leon and Chris. You only Mm. need one of them, really. Mm. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, back to Rebecca, though. I I like that uh, you've gone back to her roots with it of um, her basically being the genius, figuring stuff out. Um, (sighs) See, it was a while ago since I watched it, right? So it's a a little bit uh, (laughs) hazy, but... I do. I do remember liking her a lot and saying, you know, being like it's nice to see a different side of her because mm. uh, I watched it before I watched the stage um, because beforehand you see her and she was in heavy. She was in like she was she was in the, she was in stars or BSWA, And yeah, it was it's different seeing her in this completely civilian uh, career. Yeah, um, doing her best to counteract the is a virus was it? I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it, was, it was nice to see. Yeah, and I, I think she acted very well as well. The voice actor was great. Um, the animations were great, and her general mannerisms are all very Rebecca for me.
0: Absolutely, and I think we've talked before about, or at least uh, off podcasts, Steve myself, about how we don't get to see enough of just normal situations in the Resident Evil universe, because obviously stuff hits the fan and, you know, everything is going crazy. So it's nice at the beginning of this film to see her doing essentially her day job um, at the institute working on all kinds of chemistry stuff, which, yeah, feeds back into the origin of the character as being the child prodigy. She's literally, at the beginning of the film, working on a vaccine for a new virus and completes it at the beginning of the film and that kind of stuff. So fits the genius side of the character. Generally, uh, I think this is one of the better um, portrayals of her because like, the character design is really cool because it's it's got the recognizable colors, which is a nice little wink and a nod. And it looks like her, but also, you know, however many years on from what we're used to seeing her, they did a really good job of realizing this character later into her life when things have kind of changed and moved on and things maybe got a little more normal until she gets thrown. Um, into the thick of it again. Uh yeah, they, they they did a really good job at her. Even stuff like she has the moment where she snaps at Leon and Chris and then then the next scene she's in the bathroom and she just says to herself, That isn't very nice what she just did. It's like that yeah.
1: That's <laughs> it's a great scene though where she literally just says, Grow the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, take it Yeah, that's 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 zero Rebecca coming back to like beat none. Someone needs to be authoritative because these mm. children just won't grow up.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, you, you do. You do see her in uh, kind of a unique, um, a unique uh, scenario as well, where because she gets infected, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, right at the start. Because that's the whole deal. That's the whole like the whole thing. And you see her in a unique position where she's literally trying to save her life with her own brains. You know, with her with her genius. You know, putting what she's been doing from the beginning um, to play. And yeah, Chris and Leon are just there, um, and. But, yeah, it's, it's really nice to see because that's kind of unique with her. She's trying to save herself rather than trying to save others. Mm. See, that's...
1: I think looking at Vendetta now, uh, I mean, I only watched recently, but talking through this podcast about every other appearance of her has kind of made me think that she is more of an amalgamation of every single part of her because you've got the lecturer side, which appears in the stage. You've, got, you've then got, you know, her, shall we say, Kind of almost dismissive at first, or you know, no, no more subdued side when Chris initially shows up, like basically, oh, Chris is here, he can save the day. Mm-hmm. And then when Chris starts acting like a complete ass hat, and Leon are both bickering at the table, she then brings these years of college teaching experience to then turn around and you know, give them a slap upside the head, not physically. <laughs> yeah, and then she comes back to the stage and gets kidnapped by is it Glenn Arius?
0: Yeah. That's the one, that's the one major falling of this is getting Mm. kidnapped for two entries in a row, which is, like I say, uh, maybe Capcom figured nobody cares about the stage, so they don't really mind doing that plot point again, but for me, it's a shame to see her as damsel in distress twice in a row.
1: Definitely, 100%. I feel like it it could have eased, I mean, they would never have gone for it, because it's not marketable, but you could have had Chris in that perilous situation, and then, you know, it may be Claire and well, not Claire, but maybe you know some of the ladies take take mm.
0: control. That'd be cool. You know, I would love to have
1: seen Rebecca and Leon have to deal with a situation more. So you know what I'm saying. That's true.
0: Um, like speaking like broadly as well, we've already seen uh, Leon and Chris team up together previously in Resident Evil 6. So it would have been nice to have Rebecca paired up with a character that we haven't seen that with. So like Leon and Rebecca. You know they do get a little mm. of their screen time together in this, but you know if they were the lead characters, that would have actually been really interesting.
1: I say Leon's very broken in this film post RE6, isn't he, For mm. Reasons I can't fully grasp. He's just like oh, killing zombies doesn't work very well.
0: Yeah, he just he has a flashback scene and you know oh, my platoon died, so now I'm an alcoholic and and then and then the crowd goes mild because we saw that in Resident Evil 6 with Chris. <laughs> Don't know why we did that one again with a different character, but there you go.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like they could have gone a different direction. It also kind of feels like... Because this was around the time remaster of Zero was coming out, wasn't it? Was Rebecca just there because that was there? I mean, don't wrong, I appreciate everything they've done with her. It's just... I don't
0: know. No, 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 I would doubt that, actually. I think somebody, for what it's worth, and while personally this film is totally ridiculous and there's so much about it that just doesn't fit with Resident Evil, um, I kind of like it just because of how stupid it is. um, (laughs) But someone on that team, obviously... (laughs) They cared enough um, about Rebecca, at least, to to write her well and make it fit. So props on that side.
1: Mm. Uh, there's that exchange on the chopper as well, where there's like talk about, so you, you gave up your gun to become a doctor? Like, well, he fights with his guns. I'm going to fight mm. with my science gun, essentially, which is nice.
2: Yeah, mm. it's, a, it's a nice it's a nice nod to all of the accomplishments she's had in the previous games.
0: Yeah, it's a logical point to have her as well, just kind of retiring from the battlefield because she's not really, she's not built for it mentally. We've seen that multiple times that it it has too much of a toll on her. So yeah, I'm very happy that they took the character in this direction.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you think of all the 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 mad geniuses in the Resident Evil franchise, they're always about making viruses and things. I suppose it's nice the good guys now have one that can cook up an antivirus in ten minutes.
0: Absolutely, (laughs) (laughs) microwave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm. so before we wrap up this main segment does anybody have any final thoughts on the history of Rebecca Chambers thus far
2: yeah Um. so Rebecca was born in 1980 <laughs> okay um, which means she'll year. be she'll, she'll be 30, 30 yeah she's 39, 39 right she's well within Maribola age for me okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so we need to make this happen No, um yeah I uh yeah I think we all know now you can just tell by my (laughs) defense of her throughout this entire podcast I absolutely love her character she's one of the strongest side characters um I've seen in a game she's uh, and that's not just Resident Evil but in a game she's got so many sides to her and she's had such a, a crappy life bad timing um for everything and uh, yeah I think that's why I like it so much because she's just been through uh, so much and she's pushed through it and then she's got career out of it and unfortunately the crap keeps following her but that's what keeps her going that's uh, that's seems to be her goal now is to keep fighting back against the virus or the the corporations hmm.
1: I think for myself Having gone through this history, just discussing it now, I'm kind of—I feel like I'm reshuffling my internal, like you know, favourites deck. <laughs>
0: um,
1: she's definitely my favourite Stars member.
0: Wow. Uh,
1: because not to be cruel to Jill and Chris, they are a bit blank slaty. Yeah. You know? um, Chris has a bit more character in five and six, but overall, he's very blank slaty. Uh, Jill has been MIA since. Resident Evil Revelations, technically, and in that she was about as animated as cardboard. So, yeah. yeah. Whereas Rebecca's got depth. You know, she's got flaws. She's not, as we've said, she's not a superhero. She's more human than the rest of them, and that makes her a lot more appealing. So, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give her that.
0: I think it's interesting because it's as we talked about the, the the issues almost with her character in terms of slotting stuff together with Zero and the original game and stuff. Even all that aside. She is the most well, consistently well-written character, especially um, touching on those later entries that kind of tie all those character elements up. Um, she's definitely one of the strongest characters in the franchise, which is, is, is funny, because this is why I mentioned you know some people found her to be annoying in the original game. But overall, she's definitely one of the best characters.
1: Yeah, um, definitely the least inconsistent, whereas there are hmm. some that deviate wildly as the series goes on
0: yeah and i think whilst um it's easy to ask to see more from her and more appearances from her what we've got out of her has kept her that really consistent character as well so Mm. with all of that being said let's move on to our bite-sized discussion segment this week So our bite-sized discussion this week comes from Adam Schwartz aka Tiamat ZX. He actually emailed this in several months ago now when we started the show without even knowing that we were going to do a Rebecca centric episode. So I said to him hold on to that one and we'll get to it when we get to it. So he asks How would you feel if they did finally reintroduce Rebecca in the series in a scenario that makes her the main character? For instance, an incident that occurs on the 20th anniversary of either the mansion incident or the Raccoon City incident itself. Uh, Mr Owlet, would you like to take this one first?
2: Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I would love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, As long as they just keep to what they've been doing, keeping her character design, uh, keeping her attitude how it is, um, not deviating at all um I would really really dislike it if they turned her into a bad person if she became a mad scientist like I all know. the rest of them have right <laughs> um it just that I, I I normally like that kind of stuff but it seems cliche with her like she's been through so much why would she just turn bad um after doing all that um, I know they haven't done it, but I've really thought <laughs> that they're actually gonna do this at some point um. So yeah, I, I'd be completely down for it. I would, I would love more Rebecca games, please, more, more, more.
0: <laughs> Steve, what are your you thoughts? Know, you know,
2: now, now you mention it, James, I'm just thinking because
1: we've never had a Resident Evil hero go bad or go rogue yet. Um, but please that, don't, Steve. No, no, please not don't that, say no, that. that. <laughs> not, not to the beloved Rebecca Chambers. Okay, I'm totally, I'm totally on Team Rebecca on this one. All right, I feel like they could do a Revelations game with it. I feel like we need a. We don't need, but I would like a game where we see maybe the events between the stage and Vendetta, something that prompts her to go from being this BSAA antiviral research specialist to go. You know what? I'm hanging up my gun. I'm going to just go teach and I'm just do some research. You know, peace out. I'm done with this murdering business or fighting these monsters. I want to see a game where someone goes through an experience so harrowing and they can show that you know they're done with this. That they're done and. Um, Rebecca will be the perfect character for it because she's the most human out of a lot of them. Mm. You know? Uh, and the whole 20th anniversary of Raccoon City think we have, uh, the Resident Evil universe is a rather strange one. We have sky lasers, we have viruses that can turn people into giant monstrosities. We also have artificial cities. So, 20 years on, I'm pretty sure the thermobaric nuclear blast radiation, in a lot of Raccoon City has gone. Let's build a city on top of it. And really, unfortunate second circumstances. And then Rebecca's in the middle of that, like a Raccoon City 2. Why not? That sounds Maybe
0: fun Maybe so. Me. Yeah, why not? There is much you can do with it at this point. Like, if you carried on after Vendetta, you can have her appear in any fashion, even if it's an advisory role or something like that. She's very well suited to a Revelations 3 if they were to ever make it. And yeah, you, can, you could slot that between the stage and Vendetta as well. Honestly, there's a nice big gap there between Resident Evil and the stage as well. There's 12 years there that you could tell some BSAA stories with her, how she got involved with them or something else, some remote uh, incident somewhere. We've talked before about them, the possibility of them ever making a fixed camera game again, which I think, honestly, don't hold your breath. But if it would ever happen, you could do it with Rebecca. I don't see why not. I feel that would be quite nice in a way that... like. Zero being the last game of those styles, if they were to ever do a throwback, they would have to have her in the next one as well. Um, and an isolated incident really works for her character, so I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, but it would what be nice. What was the scene in
1: the stage? What was the scene in the stage? It was like Minnesota, was it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do a game based on that, really.
0: Yeah, you could do. Why not?
1: Yeah,
2: well, that's that's I'm dead bad. in those years. I'm also interested to see to like you said say what happens between Resident Evil and the stage what mm. happened in those years I'd be really interested in that
0: there's a lot oh. you can do and I think we're all in favor of them doing something just being careful I
1: guess <laughs> mm. <laughs> right I love ofco and Resi three. I know that sounds strange, but I laugh at <laughs> it because she's literally been AWOL for this long. They could easily put a how she gets out of the Raccoon City oh. thing as like a, a fourth survivor, couldn't she? Yeah. Sorry, I'm going, to, I'm going you're into what-if even... town.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong, really.
1: <laughs> you know, because she's been AWOL. Do, do we know how she left the city? Do Do we have any definitives on that?
0: No, I don't think there's any. Honestly, everything that we've talked about today, I'm pretty sure is the entirety of like the information that there is. To give, like, the, like, there is just complete swaths of nothing after Resident Evil uh, and before the stage, with the exception just, of the St. Cloud incident you just mentioned.
1: Can we just be thankful then that you know they didn't do the traditional, like, you know, kill off an established character thing for Resident Evil Three, and it was Rebecca instead of Brad because that would have been heartbreaking. Yeah. Yes, it would have. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I am glad that Rebecca was not not in Brad's place. Indeed, soft Brad. Right. Sorry. What? Huh? Steve Ratti again. Sorry. Right, yeah, but you get my point.
0: Right, well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at faspraypod at gmail.com. But of course the best course of action is to join our Discord server where you can also ask questions for the bite-sized discussion. Discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at FA Spray Pod, on Instagram at FA Spray Pod, and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FA Spray Pod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. And if you've enjoyed the show, please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. Our next episode will be going back to the Spencer Mansion, but not in the way that you remember it. We'll be looking at Resident Evil Deadly Silence for the DS. Thank you to the panel. You can follow us all individually. I'm at Syniac one, two, three. Steve is at FirebuttonsGame, Game. And James is at Moist Owlet OFF. And finally, thank you all for listening and have a good week.
2: I really want to play with uh, with Steve on Resident Evil 5 as co-op because it's going to be really funny because I will just be screaming. <laughs> <laughs> that will be mostly at me just running around screaming saying save me the shotgun shells and Steve Steve will be yelling back no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay you can have the shotgun shells the, uh,
1: the shotguns are o- only really okay in RE5 at least for me. Mm.
2: Are they um are they Ada Wong DLC bad?
1: Oh no 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 no. No no no. And to be fair, that shotgun has its uses. It's more of a knock them down and leg it gun a gun than actual kill them out, right? Yeah, but you you're
2: playing Resident Evil 4. You don't leg it. You have to
1: kill everything. Well, that's one way you could play it.
2: isn't Tekiro? Oh
1: right, okay. I like it. Sai's basically got his own uh, live little reenactment of Let's Play stuff
3: now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What podcast?